another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Yeah, it was amazing, the hunger. Now there's food hunger and there's spiritual hunger, and both were in huge supply. But the thing is, is that the hunger for God they had was just so tangible. And um, yeah, it just it shook me to the core. Thanks, team. You've been amazing, by the way. Thank you. Give these guys a hand. They'll be back up in about 15 minutes. But, but one thing I couldn't shake is just how grateful they were. They were so grateful. They were so thankful. They were just, uh, they were filled with gratitude. You know, you could easily say, but we, we didn't do much. <laughs> we didn't give like... You like you come home and you think, man, why have I still got stuff in my wardrobe? Why don't I just take every piece of clothes I owned, and I could have just given that all away? Why don't I just fill more bags and buy more luggage with, with things like pencils and books? Because you'd sit in a church service and take notes, say take notes, but no one can afford a book to take a note. So you're kind of wondering, my gosh, like you know, like or grab your Bible, and they're thinking, man, imagine having a Bible. Or just have a look on your phone. Imagine having a phone. All the stuff that we just have around us, and it's so tangible. It's funny how quickly I came back, and I guess for me, I've, I've struggled a little bit, to be honest, this last couple of days with just the val- how much we have, but how little we value what we have. Got in the car, so excited to see the kids, and they were awesome at the airport, and had a great welcoming committee, and it was cool. There was trumpets, and it was fun, and it was just amazing. And... Um, and uh, we carried in the car, and, and the flight was a little delayed, so they were pretty hungry. And then the question came, what should we eat? You know, and, uh, and so Zion's like, Maccas! You know, and Hope's like, Red Rooster! And I don't know where that's come from. Maybe while we're gone, she's just gone into Red Rooster. But... And all of a sudden, there's an argument that's breaking out about whether we should buy Maccas or whether we should buy Red Rooster. And I've been saturated in a community that's just happy to get anything. Just anything, just, just a handful of rice would be amazing. And we're squabbling over Maccas, right, and Red Rooster. And, uh, and I'm just like, guys, you don't, like, and I, you know, trying to realise that they haven't been with me, they haven't seen it, so it's quite a different concept to get your head around really quickly. But I'm going, guys, you've got to get understand this. I've been somewhere that where for children your age, they're literally eating beans and rice all day. For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if they get a meal, that's what they're getting. And not once did I hear a complaint. Not once did I hear somebody say, beans again, rice again. Like, oh, do we have to eat this? You know, when you're having this moment where you feel like you're educating them, hope just goes, whoa, beans every meal. And I'm like, yeah, every meal. She goes, man, they must fart a lot. (laughs) I'm like, good chat, babe, good chat. That's really gone deep, hasn't it? That's sunk in. But I have to say this perspective has actually shifted me because it's like we have so much stuff, but do we value it? Do we value what we have? Like we we look in our cupboard and we ask, what are we going to (laughs) wear? Imagine if all you had to wear was the one thing you're wearing. The t-shirt that's four times too big for you, but that's the only piece of clothing that you can find. Imagine if the only thing you get to eat is that once a week, you get that beans and stuff like that, and you eat that and you're so grateful. They're so happy. They're so excited. There's so much joy on their lives. And I think we have so much, but we can be grateful for so little. And what I've been around is people who have so little, but they are grateful for so much. And this whole area of gratefulness is something actually that uh, God has put in His Word as not something that should be a token add-on, but actually should be a foundational part of our lives. This area of gratitude, and as we look at communion, as we think about the wonder of what Christ did for us, 
I want us to refresh today the perspective and the importance of thankfulness, of gratitude, not just because you can go out and buy whatever meal you want to buy or anything like that, but thankfulness. Thankful that we live in this beautiful country. Thank you that we have the friends that we have. Thank you that we've got the health care that we've got. Thank you that our average wage isn't 150 Australian dollars a month. A month. When these guys are going, oh man, I'd love to buy a house. I was like, how much would a house and land be? Two and a half thousand dollars could give them land and a home. I'm like, two and a half thousand dollars. For many people, that's their weekly wage. And yet this could change a life forever. It just flips the script. I remember being in one of the homes, actually it was in our life house that together through Legacy we've built and it's just amazing to meet the 42 kids that now have a home and a family because of what we can do on this side of the world and it's exciting what we're going to extendly do but I remember being in that room and we're finding our bags and all this and this, this teenage girl comes up with this big or like a, a, an office works pen, you know those blue office works pens, comes up with his office works pens and goes, is this yours? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't think so. And then I think, I don't know if it was Bryce or someone else there, is, is, is this your pen? And I'm like, yo, it's just a pen. You know, like, it doesn't matter. And, and there was almost like this urgency, I've got to find who owns the pen. I've got to find who owns the pen. And I said, yo, it's, it's cool, you, you have the pen. And she stopped and looked at me like, are you sure? Like, have you got the permission to give away something like that? And I'm like, seriously, it's just a pen, have the pen. She goes, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, it's a 60 cent pen. <laughs> Yeah, it was something that just meant so much. And there was this thankfulness. It was like, thank you so much. Everywhere we went, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much that you would come this far. Thank you for being here. You know, after that amazing service we had out in the country and there was all these people there, it was just afterwards, everyone just coming up, shaking your head, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we felt like you did so little, but what God does is so much. And in fact, this whole area of thankfulness really is a foundation. Colossians 2, 67 says, So then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. And then it says, Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Right? When you are strengthened and rooted up in God, and you're thinking about the wonder of Jesus Christ, also live overflowing in thankfulness. It's actually something that God's saying, come on, as you grow deeper in God, your thankfulness should increase. It's not an area of shallowness. But this is actually an area that shows how deep your well is, how much it means to you. Thankfulness is not the evidence, um, is not just evidence of faith. Thankfulness is an establisher of faith. The level of our thankfulness actually determines how deep we can get the revelation of just how good God is. Or was it just for a moment? Was it just while it was on your side? Was it just while it felt nice? Was it just thankfulness is not based on a feeling. Faith, thankfulness is based on our faithful perspective of who our God is. In fact, Corinthians 4:2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. So we would say, yeah, make sure you pray, make sure you pray. This is saying as much as you devote yourself to prayer, you should devote yourself to being thankful. And in a world that can only look at what we don't have and a world that looks at all the stuff that we accumulate and what we want to add next to our little uh, you know, life of luxuries, how often are we sometimes losing sight of what God has already done and what He's continually doing and we're so busy looking for the next thing, we're not thanking Him for the first thing. I don't know about you, but when my kids come up and say, thank you so much for dinner, I just want to give them something more. Is it just me or when you, when you do something for some kid and they turn around and say, thank you so much? Like you were just like, thanks, Dad, for having, like giving me a bed. 
Thanks, Dad, for giving me a house. Thank God for putting me in education. Thanks, Dad, for like the clothes that I'm wearing. Don't you think if your kids were like thankful like that, you would just be like, ah, oh, just make my heart so happy. <laughs> you know, like rather than, oh, can I get a, you know, I want to go to the show. Can I get another bag? Can I get another show bag? I don't like that show bag. I want that show bag. <laughs> do you want to do more for them? Not really. You pretty much want to go and make them like, you know, find a cardboard box to live in for a couple of nights. But thankfulness actually shows appreciation, which shows the reality is, is yes, I don't need you to say thank you, but it's over the overflow of my life and my heart. I want to do what I can do. And I think sometimes God goes, man, we do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And do it. Does anyone ever say thank you? Thank you that I woke up and I breathed. Oh, well, another day. Oh, wow, look around me. These families amazing. Yep, you know, sometimes frustrating. Yep, they use the bathroom too long. Yeah, this is challenging, and that's challenging, but God, thank you so much. Thank you that we have health. Thank you that the, my, my parents haven't been wiped out by HIV. <laughs> thank you that a generation hasn't disappeared. Thank you that we don't have a government that's not corrupt. Thank you, Lord, that when we see the police, we're not nervous that they're going to pull us over. Now, some of you might be nervous when they're going to pull you over. <laughs> but literally, we would drive places. When we drove into Uganda from Kenya, like the cops, everyone's like, oh, everybody, seatbelts on. Like, and you should have your seatbelts on. Don't get me wrong, but when in Kenya... And, um, and, uh, and you'd, the police would pull you over and you'd literally like, okay, what are they going to make up so they can get money off us? And so we got pulled over twice and they, and, they, and they literally, you know it's not legit because you can barter them down. Anytime you can barter a cop down, probably not legit. Uh, you know, and so like it'd be come back and how much did they ask for? Oh, four, you know, 4,000 Kenya shillings. All right. So you take three, you know, and be like, did they take the three? Yeah, they took the three, you know, like they take off and then you get pulled over. Why you get pulled over? Oh, because a bus shouldn't be on the road after dark. What? Like, really? Did you pull that out of a hat? Like, where'd that come from? Okay, how much did that cost? You know, a thousand shillings. Like, it's just craziness, craziness. Are we thankful for the places that we are? Do we have a thankfulness in our heart? Gratefulness is not a personality. Thankfulness is not a personality. It's a determined perspective, and it should be our priority. Come on, don't get in the world's motion of just whinging and complaining. <laughs> don't start your own news highlight reel where it's negative, 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 and then the last 10 seconds, let's talk about the, uh, you know, I don't know, the zebra that gave birth in the zoo and make sure that everyone feels like life's good. No, no, let's be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Um, you know, at Christmas, we often will go around the table and ask, um, we'll ask the family, hey, what, what's something this year that you're thankful for? And we'll go around the table, and it wasn't too many Christmases ago, we're sitting around the table with our extended family, and just one of them, had, and they had a really challenging year, no doubt. But I remember one of them just said, I, I, I actually just can't think of anything to be thankful for. And I remember in that moment thinking, really? <laughs> like for all of us, we're like, really? Like nothing? Not your husband? Not your family? Not your church? Not your job? <laughs> The fact that you can work part-time because you have such a great job, like nothing can be thankful for. And because we have our eyes so fixed on us, so fixed on us, we're so fixed on looking at what's the next thing we've got to have rather than realizing what have I got. And I think God's been talking to me about this a lot this last three days as I've been home. It's just like, man, we've got to realize the stuff we have is so temporal. But what we have in Christ is so eternal. And I'm looking at these amazing people who have such a joy in their lives. Yes, they have very little, but my gosh, they have so much. And I was just like, gosh, I could, you know, man, I just don't want this to fade. I don't want this to disappear. And, 
we sang this new song. I'd never heard it, the praise song we started, and I just loved it. You know, even though I couldn't really keep up with the lyrics, I loved it. And, uh, and, and the beat, it's just like, man, praise opens doors. Praise draws the presence of God. In fact, Psalm 100, if you want to go, where did that song come from? It came from a scriptural base that has such truth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. That's thankful enough. Come on, we are not our own. We are not just our parents. We're God's. We are His people. We are sheep of His pasture. Verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. See, thankfulness, number one, lifts our eyes. Thankfulness lifts our eyes. See, I'm not denying the fact that for many of us, we've got big things we're facing, huge things that we're coming across, things that we need God to break through in, areas of our heart that are broken and hurting and we're wanting restoration in. But I want to tell you, your way to get through it is not looking at the challenge. It's lifting your eyes. It's starting to thank God for the God that He is and the God that He's been and what He has done in our life. And it's amazing how it will start to turn your perspective. See, I believe that when we lose sight of what He has done, we lose perspective of what He can do. We're so busy looking at what isn't happening that we forgot what's already happened. We're looking at the mountain without realizing He already lifted us out of the valley. And if He lifted us out of the valley, He can put us on the mountain top. But if we just look at what we haven't got, we're not going to look where He can take us. And we find our lives is shrinking and limited. Wouldn't the enemy just want you to look at the things you don't have? So you wouldn't have a life of faith that can look to where God can make you, can take you, loves to lead you. But He wants us to look at what we don't have. Don't lose sight of what He's done. Don't lose sight of it, because if we lose sight of what He's done, then the things that were miracles become mundane. Come on, the job you believed for, all of a sudden is a hassle. The home that you so desired, oh, the mortgage and all the work and all the yard and all the... Didn't you just praise God two months ago for that thing? The business that you started, oh, the financial pressure and the staff worries and all that kind of thing. Yes, those are real things. But come on, we can't look at those things. We've got to come with a thankful heart, a gratitude and, a, and an, an ability to go, God, I'm not letting the miracle become mundane. I'm not letting the kids that I believe for and that you gave into our lives become a nuisance and a hassle. Even though it's been school holidays for two weeks and I thank God they made it back to school alive. Come on, the husband, the wife that you were so thankful for. All of a sudden, oh, that guy. Oh, she never... Come on, don't look at what's not there. What if you started praising him? What if you started praising her? What if you started just heaping praises on your boss? Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much that I get to stay late this week. Thank you so much that you pay me so little. It just really puts my faith in God to a whole nother level. Come on, what if we, what if we had gratitude? What if we had this life of just thankfulness? Never, ever will I forget meeting this incredible family of Vivian and Franklin, who is an incredible woman, who gave birth to a, had already had two daughters, but gave birth to a son who had two stumps, who has two stumps for legs, has only half an arm and disfigured hand, but as a kid that has the largest of spirit, the biggest of dreams, because he has a mum who is not looking at what she hasn't got, not looking at what's been dished out to her, but thankful that God's given her a chance. Thank you that God that she's still alive. And the reason there's a grateful that she's still alive is because her husband was unfaithful and then at the birth of Franklin, discovered that she was HIV positive, ostracized from the community, somewhat a leper of the Bible, now living out on a farm, just him and her. And here's this family, here's this dynamic duo that I got to tell you, the joy and the radiance of smile 
and the sense of life they carried was absolutely humbling. I've got a photo there of Franklin. He's 15 now. We got to run around his yard and chase chickens. It was just awesome. We caught a chicken. Scotty Tonkin actually hypnotized that thing and put it to sleep. Go on YouTube. It's real, people. It's real. What was funny is we caught the chicken and then Franklin runs in to see Vivian and then comes running out and says, don't worry, Mum said we can kill it. <laughs> we were like grabbing it by the neck and we just swung. No, I'm joking. We didn't kill it. <laughs> uh, I would. And they have massive challenges. But never once did we look at them and feel like there's this sense of pity and woe is us. We walked away feeling like, man, we gave them supplies and some food and some comfort and stuff like that, but they gave us so much more because they're not perspective. Their perspective's not down in the dirt. They've got a God who's faithful. They've got a God who's full of love. They've got a God, this guy is gonna, wants to be, I think it's the, um, say it again, chief of justice for Kenya. He's already gone and been flown to Nigeria to meet the current chief of justice. I'm telling you, whatever you think you've got to feel sorry for yourself for, you've got to realize that's the pathway for your miracle. That's the pathway of a testimony that's far greater than your ability. We've got to realize, we've got to lift our eyes, be thankful. Do you know that I didn't see one person with anxiety? I didn't see one person with depression? Those aren't third world problems. Those are first world problems. Because we're busy looking at this. We're busy looking at what we don't have. We're comparing with our neighbor rather than realizing, God, who have you called me to be? I've been thankful for a lot and I've been thankful for a little, the apostle Saul said. Paul said. That's classic. I've completely just forgot Bible while I was gone. I was just I'm thankful for you guys. But seriously, isn't it amazing that it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. We know that part. Oh, how do we get over anxiety? Prayer, prayer, prayer. Yes, but also with thanksgiving. So actually what could lift us out of this place of feeling anxious and feeling desperate and feeling nervous and scared is actually thankfulness. Lift your eyes. Just lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. Yeah, I know it's all down there and I know it's chaos and I know the storm's raging, but Peter, lift your eyes. I'm up here. Look at me. I'm up here. I'm not down there. I'm up here. But when you're down there, I'll get down there. But come on, I still, when I pick you up, I'm saying, lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. Give thanks, that 1 Thessalonians says, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Number two, what it does is it secures our source. Gratefulness, gratitude, thankfulness, it secures your source. It secures us. A grateful heart reminds us that ultimately God is our source. He is our provider, our supply, our spring of life, and that He is the one who graciously gives us all things. Come on, He is the one that graciously gives us all things. No, I worked for this house. Well, who created the timber? Who created the earth? Who created the minerals? Who created what we actually have in the very first place? Oh, no, it was my clever. No, it wasn't our clever. We are merely pottery in the master's hands. He is the source of all things. He is the source of life. He is the source of hope. He is the source of breakthrough. He is our source. I am not my source. And I must remember, my, remind myself, come on, I am not the supply of the hope that I need. He is the supply of the hope that I need. Gratefulness wrote this, gratefulness is acutely aware that the blessings and goodness of God, sorry, of the blessings and goodness of God, and it connects God's presence and character to our circumstances rather than our circumstances being determined. Sorry, rather than our circumstances determining our view of God's goodness. 
We're going through stuff. Some of us are going through stuff and you think, oh God, why would you let that happen? God, why would you do that? God, this isn't fair. He is not there causing challenge and trouble in your life. He wants to be the source of strength. We've got to stop blaming him and just include him where we're at and let him lead us forward and take us into fresh places. See, James 1 says, every good perfect gift comes from above. Sorry, gift from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I love that. He's not for you one day and against you the next. He's not like, oh, I'm here. And then all like, oh, you're on your own. No, no, he is, he's, he's faithful. He is a source of constant light and hope. He is the one who wants to lead us further and further forward. He is the one who is faithful. See, what I saw so much of what they didn't have. They didn't have cars. As I said, they didn't have a wardrobe of clothes. Some of them didn't have bowls and plates. You know, so many people didn't have, you'd go into these mud huts and there'd be a bed for the adult and a cane piece of, um, you know, netting or whatever, mesh that was for the six kids. You know, they didn't have so much, but what they did have, you know, what they did have was tangible. And maybe just that's it. Maybe that's it. Because they didn't have so much, the God in their life was so evidently real that it wasn't substituted by other things. Like this conference that we were at, they called it a conference. Uh, you know, like two days before, they're like, oh, we can't wait for you guys to come and run a conference. We're like, we can't be, wait to be there to run the conference, you know, like. But there was just such a hunger in that place, and people had walked for hours to be there. Fifteen churches represented it. A couple of, like two to three hundred people in this room, and you go in, and you're like, you can't just do nice. I can't get up there and just say, you know what, well, God loves you, amen. Because they're going to go, when you say amen, they're going to go, Hallelujah! Right? And you say, whoa, yes, God is good. And they're going to go, all the time. You know? And they're drawing it out of you. But it wasn't about being drawn out of it. It was like God birthed something, stirred something in my spirit. Weeks before we got there going, you know what we all need is we need a deposit of God's presence. We need a deposit of His spirit. Right? And in that place, it was like such a hunger that what they don't have doesn't occupy them. But what they do have, they're so grateful for. They've got hope. They've got life. They've got maybe not a meal, but my gosh, they've got something that nourishes them far deeper than some rice and some beans. There's something on their life that is tangible. As we opened it up, as they said, they flooded down the front and we just said, team, go for it. And just people just went in, just laying hands on people. There's tears. There were miracles. It was just mind-blowing. Just so amazing. Come on, what do we hunger for most? What consumes your head the most? What consumes your heart the most? These are questions I'm asking myself. Please don't feel I'm standing up here high and mighty and like, oh, Craig, well, you've been there, so obviously you're the man. No, no, no. <laughs> These are things that are stirring my spirit. What, what occupies my mind the most? I could tell what occupied, you know, there's the room there. And that's without kids and young people. They were all out surrounding, looking through the windows. What occupies the heart the most? What are you hungry for the most? What do you desire the most? Because I want to tell you, you've got a God that wants to make himself so evidently real. But he can't be the most evidently real thing in your life if it's just 10%. If he only occupies an hour and a half on a Sunday. And if you're you know, grateful that we have so many in groups, but if that's the only time we give him the attention of our heart and the desire of our life and the thing that we long for most, then seriously, we're going to find ourselves forever feeling like we're not satisfied, that we're not living in our full God purpose. He wants to occupy all of us. And the last thing, Number three is it cements our salvation. I believe gratefulness and thankfulness cements our salvation. It cements our salvation. 1 Timothy 1.12 says this, I thank Christ, Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he has considered me trustworthy, appointed me, 
to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was poured out. Don't you love it? It wasn't dribbled out. It wasn't just enough. It was poured out. Come on, our God pours himself out. Come on, on that cross, he didn't just do enough. He did more than enough. Come on, when his love meets your life, he doesn't want to just patch you up. Come on, he wants to transform us from the inside out. He was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He is a trustworthy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for this very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immersed patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Band, you can come and join me. But I love this. I love that the apostle, the Saul who became Paul, let's get that right. I love that he never lost sight of where he came from. He never lost sight of the fact that, you know what? He was a persecutor, (laughs) that he was a sinner, that he was someone that was a murderer. He was someone that was a blasphemer. I don't know about you, but have we sometimes got so uh, consumed with where we've God's brought us to that we actually have lost the merit of how we got there? We lost the one who actually took us to where we are today. And we somehow now look at our achievements and our ability and our strengths and our what were weaknesses that are now confident areas of our life. And we are now somewhat boasting in ourselves. But I love that the Apostle Paul constantly said, you know what, I'm not just talking to a bunch of people I can't connect to. I was the worst of sinners. And I think sometimes when we actually realise and keep reminding ourselves, what has God done in my life? Come on, where is He taking me from? When we forget how broken we were, we start getting too impressed with ourselves. We start getting too acceptance of just, I'm just that good. Kids, look at my life. No, rather than saying like, God, kids, God has done so much. But man, look at what He has done. We can so easily start to put the the praise and 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 the thankfulness on us. But I'm telling you, God wants your story to be fresh in your life. He doesn't want us to get to the point where we're looking there going, I've done pretty well. Look at this. Look at the decisions I made. Look at the family I have. Look at the marriage I've got. Look at the work I'm in. Look at the community I started. Look at the connect group I run. Look at the area of church I lead. I don't think He wants us to be doing that. I think He wants us, and not out of a, a false humility, oh, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. But our testimony be, look at God's done. Look at the amazing family that I have. Man, we stuff up, but gosh, I love it. Look at the incredible wife I've got. Look at the area I get to work. It's incredible. I pick up rubbish, rubbish every single day. But look at the community I get to be a part of. Look at the life group that I get to do life with. Look at this amazing church I get to serve in. I get to do car park. What? And this praise that would come and say, God, you're so good. Let's not forget the exchange that took place. Bryce talked about the hospital and we've got to close, but Bryce talked about the hospital and the burns unit. I've got to tell you that day broke me deep. And there was a kid in there who was literally wrapped from head to toe. You could only see his face two years old and his face was covered in blisters. The things about these homes, they're cheap to build, but when they catch fire, they disintegrate in seconds and this kid was caught in the home. Burned from head to toe, absolutely. And it was hard to look at, but I love. 
there was something in you that says, I can't just view it and just have pity. Because pity will cause us to walk by, but compassion can't. What can I offer in this moment? And before I could look twice, here's T kneeling down, looking at the child face to face, this close. God loves you so much. You're so beautiful. God's got a plan for your life. I find myself sitting on the end of the bed, just holding their foot, praying over them, looking at the mums, just saying, you're so brave. You're so great. I remember T sharing that night. She just said, if only I could exchange, if only I could get the kid out and put me in, that they could go and live the fullness of their life, not having the scar in their life. If only I could exchange that. And obviously we can't exchange that. I can't supernaturally reverse the roles. But in that moment, as T said that, it was like God just pressed in my heart. That's exactly what I did for you. You were lying there broken, hurt. You were lying there bruised and scarred. You were lying there as a blasphemer, as a, as a, as a semi-alcoholic. You were lying there with no vision, no dream, not even knowing that you would be alive at 21. And then you exchanged. I met you, you met me, and I got to replace places on that cross is where you belong, but I took the cross for you. So you, know, you, you can live the life that I call, so called you to, to live. And I felt like God said, don't forget it, Craig. Cement your salvation. Cement the wonder of what I've done. Stay thankful. Stay evidently aware of where He's taken you from. Stay evidently grateful for the fact that you're no longer who you used to be. That yes, maybe they're now strengths in your life, but they used to be weaknesses. And our God deserves all the glory. I don't know if it's made sense at all this morning. But I can't help but have such an urgency of heart. Just like, come on, let it be real. Come on, let it drive your heart. Let it drive your life, what Christ has done. And as I sat there on a field on the last day after being in this hospital in a rescue centre with this kid called Lawrence, I think there's a photo. I sat there and there I am on the other side of the world on the last day. It was by chance that he was sitting on that field. We talked and he said, tell me about the God you know. And what he didn't want was theories. What he didn't want is a whole lot of theology. What he wanted to know is what has God done in your life? Because do you think he could do it in mine? The workers don't know his story. He's 17 years old and they can't yet get him to the point that he'll even share what he's had to walk through in his 17 years. He said, I have no purpose. And God flashed in my memory and said, you had no purpose. Until you discovered my grace, you had no vision for your life. You didn't even think you'd be alive. Tell him your story. Tell him what I've done. And tell him that I want to walk with him the same way I walked with you. And I sat there on that field for 45 minutes and we talked and I said, Lawrence, do you want God to walk with you from where you are today? Loving you and helping you? Not going to all be easy. Not going to say you're not going to have some huge challenges in the future. But you want a God that loves you and wants to do life with you and has a plan and a purpose for your life? Would you love that? And he said, yes. I said, would you like to pray a salvation prayer that you could know God for yourself? You don't just hear it through a mazungu from Australia. <laughs> he said, yes. As I grabbed his hand, we prayed the salvation prayer and I started to prophesy dreams over him. So fortunately, God had asked me, somewhat prompted me to put a vest in my bag at the start of the day. Who puts a warm vest in your bag in Kenya? And he said, it's not for you, it's for him. He's going to be a Joseph. Put a coat on him and tell him every time he sees it, he's, he's called to dream. And here's this moment of exchange. Not because I looked at what I'm doing, because I remembered what God had done. And as we go into a series about a life of conversations that are going to help people, it's not you looking like you got it all together, but it's remembering where you've come from. And being able to tell people your journey of how He's helped you and how He'd love to help them. We hope you enjoyed.
enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.